And we are back. This is Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez, and this is the Out of Health Podcast. So, topic to discuss, I'm going to keep this very pragmatic, anterior pelvic tilt. I've been asked about this a lot by various people, by a lot of you guys, and it seems that a, it's a, almost something, something of an epidemic, actually, among young men, and young women, too. But anterior pelvic tilt, uh, what is it, what to do about it, what are strategies for dealing with it? So let's always, as I always like to talk, or start with, what are we talking about? So anterior pelvic tilt is a what you call a postural deviation where your pelvis, and your pelvis is it's your hip bones, so if you can imagine a human skeleton, think about this right now in your head, think about a human skeleton standing upright. Your pelvis, if you were to grab it from behind, so I'm going to grab those two bones, anterior pelvic tilt is where you tilt the pelvis forward. So the top topmost portion of pelvis, that's going to tilt forward. The bottom portion is going to shift backwards a bit, and that will put you into anterior pelvic tilt. This will, will, this will result in a what's called a forward tip pelvis. It will result in a low back curve, an arched back. Sometimes it's called a sway back. And it's going to result in um, something like a bulging of the abdominal wall, you know, protruding abdomen, where it can actually make, it can make you look f- like you have a gut, even though you really don't. So, the uh, you know, technical terminology is you're going to have an uh, overextension of your lumbar spine, so your spine's going to be overarched, like I was saying. You'll tend to have a gl- lack of glute development, or a lack of glute involvement, so your glutes are really not going to be working that well. Uh, you can have what's called quad dominance. So your, your quads, because your pelvis is now in this tilted position, your quads get more activated and stiff or tight as a result. This also puts uh, your low back into a stress position where you can have an overactive low back. Your low back, because it's in this stressed position that's disrupting the relationship with gravity, your low back muscles now become overly tense. And then at the same time, you also have these things where you have stiff hip flexors, so the muscles that attach your hip to your um, to your spine, those get tight right in the front. Uh, you oftentimes, very very commonly, almost always, you'll have weak abs. You have a weak lower abs, and then this whole this placement of the pelvis it throws off your relationship fundamentally with gravity. So when we talk about posture, um, depending on various sources, you'll read sources that say posture doesn't matter at all for pain. You'll read sources that say posture does matter for pain. There are schools of thought that will preach that posture matters over everything, and then there's schools of thought that posture, posture matters sometimes uh, and sometimes not. You know, what's the situation? I, I think my professional estimation from a movement, biodynamics, biomechanical standpoint is that your standing posture with your skeleton is indicative of your relationship with gravity, and gravity is the omniscient force, as I always talk about, and if you have a skeleton that is arranged in such a way as to increase gravitational stress upon areas of the body that are not generally subject to those to that level of stress, you can, emphasis on can, you can have pain. Not everybody will have pain from bad posture, but a lot of people seem to have issues, and they seem to intuitively know that their posture being bad is not good for them. And anterior pelvic tilt, abbreviated APT, it's become something, of, like I said, a condition now where a lot of men and women realize that something is off with their pelvis and it's causing them movement issues. It's causing deficiency of movement economy and movement inefficiency creates pain when moving. Maybe not overnight, but over time it can lead to that. So you have anterior pelvic tilt. You know, what 
do you do about it? Why, why should you do something about it? That's a good question. Well, like I just said, when your relationship with gravity is thrown off, your exercise technique is going to be compromised. You're going to have bad form doing stuff, and you might not realize it. And there's also a lot of research that indicates that anterior pelvic tilt increases risk of uh, you know, knee injury, ACL tears, knee pain, low back pain, low back injuries, you know, various musculoskeletal disorders, depending on what school of thought you, descri- you uh, subscribe yourself to. Uh, even going down the chain with the knees and the feet you know, can affect the, the foot health and how you walk and your gait. Um, it can affect your upper back posture. You know, with the positioning of the thoracic spine, your cervical vertebra, where your head is at. So it can have a negative effects along the whole the whole skeleton, the entire body. Um, and it's something you, you want to fix. You definitely want to fix. So what are what are things to focus on? Where are the muscles and all this stuff? So generally speaking, you have you have, you have four three or four a week muscles with anterior pelvic tilt. So you'll have foremost you have a weak Glutes and hamstrings. Um, you know this. You know you can. I always. I, I call this the fat ass syndrome. If you see a girl, a fat ass, P H A T, but also a fat ass, F A T. So with women, the, the female pelvis can have a degree of natural anterior pelvic tilt, where women this will have glutes. Like women have butts more so than men, generally speaking. So their spine will have a natural curve to it. As a result, it can be uh, quite attractive. Now it can also be excessive. And what results from the spine being positioned is that your gluteals and your hamstrings, so your ass and you know your, the back of your thighs, they're weak. The muscles are underdeveloped, and they do not recruit themselves and activate in the way that you'd want them to. So that's weak. You also have a weak abdominal wall and basically just weak abs. And you'll see this. I, I can recall a girl in college that uh, she was an attractive female, and I remember her very well. And uh, I remember a particular situation where we were uh, in class, and so this is, yeah, so we were in class, so for those who don't know, I was a, as a dancer, I'm kind of tangenting right now, but it's a good example of this, of you know having sort of a weakened abdominal wall. So th- this girl, she had anterior pelvic tilt. I was in class, and a friend of mine noticed, looking over at her, and she said, hey, do you notice that so-and-so, she looks like she kind of has a gut? And I looked over at her, and the thing was, she didn't have a gut. But she had anterior pelvic tilt. She had excessive anterior pelvic tilt. And she stood in such a way where her back was very arched. And her abs, her abdominal wall, there is essentially dumped forward. She had a lot of laxity to her abs. So she had, she had weak abs as a result. And it gives the appearance of having a gut. It creates this sort of protrusion effect. And if you're overweight, it makes you look more fat than you are. And even if you're not overweight, it can make you look like you have a gut when you don't have a gut. So you have weak lower abs, you have weak rectus abdominis to be specific, weak you know, external uh, obliques, you could have a weak transverse. The whole, the whole abdomen, the whole, the whole system of core muscles is, uh, is less than you'd want them for you know, their, their relative strength. So those are your weak muscles, weak glutes, weak hamstrings, weak abs. Then what you also have, you tend to have these really tight muscles that'll happen. Um, foremost, you'll have a tight low back. So a lot of times people have anterior pelvic tilt, they have low back pain. Very common. Uh, you'll have tight quads. That's also very, very common. Uh, you might not realize it. Quammon. <laughs> also very common. You won't realize it, but if you go to stretch your quads, your quads and your hip flexors, so quads and hip flexors, they'll be stiff. They'll be very, very stiff. Um, and they'll specifically be like the iliacus and the psoas muscle. If you're a trainer listening to this and you want to use the fucking technical names for the muscles that nobody gives a shit about. Um, you know, the, also the TFL, the tensor uh, fascia latte, that is another muscle, an external hip rotator that will be weak. Or, I'm sorry, that will be tight. 
But so, you know, overall you have, you know, this sequence of muscles. So you have tight muscles and you have underdeveloped muscles and the resultant effect is pain and it's movement issues. So, you know, what do you do about this? Well, there's a few strategies you have to take. So first you have to understand that, you know, these muscles and, you know, that your pelvis owes a hold your skeleton. If it's in this position for a while, it's going to be oftentimes unconscious. So until you're aware of the until you're aware of the condition where you're actually in pain, you might not know of it essentially at all until someone points it out to you or until you try to start exercise and you realize like, damn, something is off. Something is definitely, definitely off. Um, and then you have to figure out, you know, what do you do about it? Well, a few things, a few things. And, you know, this is, so I'm going to lay out my strategy for you guys. So this will be the time if you want to write shit down, start writing things down. What do I do about anterior pelvic tilt? First and foremost, you have to figure out pelvic position and you have to start lying the floor. So step one would be developing awareness of pelvic tilt in the first place. What do you do for that? What you're going to do, this is step one, you're going to lie on the floor, on your back, hands down, head on the floor, knees up, and you are going to arch your low back and then round your low back, and you are going to distinguish between anterior pelvic tilt and posterior pelvic tilt. So you're going to flatten your low back into the ground. You're going to squeeze your butt. You're going to figure out what this position feels like. You have to do this first. Okay, you have to. If you if you don't know the you know, the position, if you don't understand the differentiation between anterior and posterior, then no amount of exercises are going to help you because you don't know what you're trying to achieve. So that's step one. Now, if you can do that, and there are various exercises to help with your glute activation, but you do that, you round your pelvis, you tilt your pelvis, you go to anterior tilt, posterior tilt, you do that, and then you do the same thing standing. You learn how to squeeze the glutes. You learn how to contract the glutes. You do it in a standing position. Okay? You do that. So that's step two. So step one is lying down, and you know, figuring out anterior, posterior pelvic tilt. Step two is figuring out anterior, post, posterior pelvic tilt with a standing position. So you do it lying down, you do it standing. Okay? Step three, you then have to get into a hip extension slash hip hinge pattern. Okay, so this would be a deadlift pattern. If you don't know what this is, you got a lot of work ahead of you. So hip extension, I don't know what that is. I have two preferred exercises for this, okay? Two. The first one, you're going to take an elastic band. You're going to put it around your knees, Okay. Above your knees. I'm sorry. You're going to put it right above your knees. Should give you some resistance. You're going to get your feet slightly wider than shoulder width with your toes somewhat pointed forward, okay? You're going to stick your ass back as far as you can without falling over. You're going to feel the muscles start to kick in because your knees are going to want to get pulled in by the band. Those muscles is your posterior chain. That's your glutes. That's your hammies, okay? You're going to stick your ass back as far as you can. Then you're going to squeeze your butt, try and contract your ass muscles into a standing upright position. And you're going to do that a bunch of times, okay? That is hip extension. Hip extension is not bending over forward and, you know, trying to, I guess, how should I say, you know, bring your chest to the floor. Hip extension is a posterior shift of your hips moving behind you and your center of gravity changing, okay? So you can do that. Use the standard 
banded hip extension, band right by the knees. You can also use a banded pull-through movement, okay? You're going to have to look this up on YouTube. I, I do not have a channel of exercises. Look up pull-throughs. A pull-through is where you take, again, an elastic band. This would be a bigger one. You're going to grab it with both hands. You're going to loop it under something at floor height, and you're going to step over it. So you're going to straddle it, okay? So you can visualize. You're standing. You have a band in your hands. The band is going in between through your legs, underneath your crotch. You're going to walk forward a bit until it gives you some tension. Now, naturally, that band's going to want to pull you backwards. And you're going to let that happen. You're going to go into the hip extension with your hips moving backwards. And that band's going to be pulling you. And then you're going to squeeze your ass to bring your hips forward again. You're going to practice hip extension. So you have to you have to learn the hip hinge, hip extension pattern. The hip extension pattern, the hip hinge pattern, there's different names for it. All it's probably talking about the same thing. That is what a deadlift is. A deadlift is hip extension going into hip flexion. You extend the hips, you flex the hips. You extend the hips, you flex the hips. You flex the hips, you extend the hips. If you cannot do this, your ability to do any kind of athletic movement is going to be compromised, period. You have to learn hip extension. Now, once you've learned hip extension, you then have a couple of exercises to continue on with. Another one that's very effective is a plank. And I don't mean a plank where you just you know, get on the floor and hold yourself for five minutes and your lower butt back claps. No, you're going to do what's called an RKC plank, okay? An RKC plank is derived from the RKC Russian Kettlebell Certification Course. Don't worry about that. But an RKC plank is a variation of a plank where you get into a plank and you, you know, get on your elbows and your forearms, you get on your feet, and you squeeze your freaking glutes as hard as you can. You go into posterior pelvic tilt, the opposite of anterior pelvic tilt. You go into posterior pelvic tilt, okay? You do that. Now, assuming you've done these exercises so far, so let's say you've done the pull-through, you've done the, uh, you know, the standing banded hip extension, you've done the planks, now what do you do? Well, now, whenever you do any kind of squats or deadlifts, deadlifts or even maybe standing pressing, what have you, you're going to take those cues of glute activation, of squeezing your butt, you're going to take those posterior tilt cues, whatever you helps you to remember those cues. There's lots of different things that can help with this, but the importance is that you practice them while you're doing the movements. So, you know, if squeeze your ass is a good cue for you and you practice that every time you do these exercises, great. If tilt the pelvis, you know, works for you, great. If, you know, I've had people, you use everything from this terminology, you know, lock down the glutes, you know, extend the glutes, uh, you know, extend the glutes, you know, get glute squeeze uh, going, you know, squeeze the cheeks, whatever the case may be. There, there's lots of language you can use, and language is not really important. What's important is that your body's doing it. But you take those cues, and then when you do the movements, when you do the movements, like squatting and deadlifting, you always make sure to use those clue, cues. Clues. You always make sure to use those cues. Now, there's also the question of, well, what about, you know, the tight muscles, like I have tight hip flexors, and I have tight quads, and my abs are weak. Yeah, um, yes, you should strengthen, strengthen those things, but I consider, by way of experience, I have found that if you have anterior pelvic tilt, getting your posterior chain stronger and getting those muscles engaged, that tends to solve the problem faster than just trying to stretch out your hips. That said, though, stretching out your hips can be a good strategy. 
you know, doing basic, you know, hip flexor stretches where you go into a lunge position, doing standing quadricep stretches, those are very effective. Uh, you know, even doing butterfly stretches can be helpful for the groin. Straddle stretches can be helpful. Stretching out the muscles will help. It definitely will. And, you know, you can do the stretches I just said and many more. There's a lot of variety with stretching. And, you know, and also getting your abdominal wall stronger will make a big difference. And the RKC planks will contribute to that a lot. But, you know, overall, the case is, the case is not that, that your abs are weak and your hips are tight. The, the case or the, the core issue is that your glutes and your posterior chain is really weak and your back is bearing more load than it needs to be bearing. So if you solve that core weakness, then you, sh- generally speaking, should solve the overall problem without having to do a ton of extra stuff for the other symptomatic issues. You want to treat the symptoms. I mean, sorry, you, you want to treat, reverse that. You want to treat the cause. You don't want to be band-aiding treating the symptoms. So the cause is weak glutes, weak hamstring, improper pelvic positioning. The symptoms are overactive low back and tight hip flexors and tight quads and a weak abdominal wall. Solve the weakness and then you know fix the other subsequent areas. So that's the overall strategy that I use for anterior pelvic tilt. If you guys have questions about this, I really encourage you to contact me, ask me. Uh, this is one of those things where I just have avoided writing an article about it because it gets very complicated. Because, well, not complicated, but you have to really differentiate and articulate very clearly with what you're talking about with the skeleton. Um, it's, it's hard to describe if you don't know what I'm talking about. For those of you guys who don't have anterior pelvic tilt and you know nothing about the body, um, you know, a lot of this podcast is probably like, what the fuck? I'm not really sure what he's referring to. But for those that are suffering from it and you're aware of it or you deal with clients that have it, there's my strategy. Start with them lying down, start with them standing, teach hip extension, and then add on the stretching and the abdominal strengthening after you've done the posterior strength training work. So that's the strategy. Train smart, train hard, good luck, and I'll talk to you guys again soon.